Live Bay Podcast. This is season three, episode two, titled The Weight of Blood and White Smoke, because those are the two books that we're going to be talking about today. I am your host, Kerwin, aka Kiwi Like the Fruit, aka Book Bay. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Lit Bay Readings. I'm now on TikTok with the youngins at Lit Bay Readings. And I'm on YouTube at Lit Bay Readings. Holla at your girl if you see her out there in these social media streets. You can tip the podcast on Cash App at Lit Bay Pod, but the best way to support is just by listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to support your local libraries. Getting a library card is quick, easy, and a great way to get free books to read. There's also the Libby app, which you can use. That's also free. Take out You can take out like ebooks and audiobooks from your local library, which is great. It's a great tool to utilize when you're traveling as well. You don't want to bring books with you. You don't want to lug books with you in your carry-on or whatever. You know, it's always nice. And also, just doing some due diligence. Instead of using Audible, consider using Libro.fm because it helps your local and independently owned bookstores, especially any POC-owned, black woman-owned, you know. You know how we do over here. As always, I want to remind you that this podcast gets E for explicit, I get passionate, and I be cussing, child. So, uh, if you... Damn. Did I re- Nope, I'm going to keep going. Nope, I'm going to keep going. Speaking of language, <laughs> the word of the day is horripilation. You heard me right. Horripilation. That is spelled H-O-R-R-I-P-I-L-A-T-I-O-N. Horripilation is just another word for goosebumps. That's really it. A bristling of the hair on the skin from, you know, the cold air or fear. So, yeah, if you ever like, why need another word for goosebumps? Horripilation. Now, let me use that in a sentence. Let me see. Oh, yes, I got my sentence already. So, while reading the book White Smoke by Tiffany D. Jackson, I was covered in horripilations. Period. Okay. So, we'll get right into the books because I got we got a lot to discuss. All right. So, I want to first discuss The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. In The Weight of Blood, we follow Maddie, who is a biracial person presenting as white. They have a white father, but the mother is out of the picture, so she lives with her dad. Her dad's very old school, very strict, believes white is right, very religious, very much aligns with the respectability politics, and there's no technology in the house. They watch old movies and TV shows with mostly white casts, and he believes that this is how America should have stayed. One day, a surprise rainstorm happens while she's on a run outside for gym class, and her straight hair turns into an afro, and that is the moment when all of her classmates realize that she is black. We really start to see the bullying intensify for Maddie after she's exposed for being biracial, but the community sees her as black. Um, then comes the viral bullying video where classmates are seen throwing items at Maddie's fro. Then the school and the white students are exposed for their racist ways, so they try to clean up their act for the public, but not necessarily trying to fix the problem at the school, but through more of a performance. So it looks like they're doing things, but they're really not. They're just putting a Band-Aid on it. They're not getting to the root of the problem. They decide to throw their first integrated prom from uh, four black and white students to dance and celebrate together. That's right. You heard it. This book was like, I think the book took place in like 2014. So that's when they had their first integrated prom where black and white students could dance together. Ain't that a bitch? Anyway, uh, so yeah, Um, let me see. 
there's issues with that because the venue that usually hosts the white prom won't allow black students in. So they have to, so the integrated prom, they have to have at a barn, which the optics there don't look good either, but you can put two and two together yourself. Um, I think Maddie's character is so interesting because she's been identifying as white because of her father. She'll be, um, and like he, but he always told her and kind of drilled it into her head. Like people are going to treat you better if they see you as white. The minute they see you as black, you're nothing. You know, you know, it was, it was giving very that. Um, she has no connection to her black side at all. Um, so once she's exposed, she's even more isolated and has no community because she did not, you know, kiki with the other black kids in school either. Not that there was a ton of them either, but she didn't really kiki with them. She didn't, you know, be in community with them all this time. She kind of kept to herself. So that's another reason why too. Um, but yeah, so that's where Maddie's at. We should also talk about Kenny who is the most popular black kid at school. He plays football. He got a full ride to a university. He's black with mostly white friends. He doesn't really correct his white friends when they say problematic things about black people. He also has no connection to the other black kids at the school. Um, he don't be kicking with the black kids. Throughout the story, we can start to see a shift in Kenny, though, once he starts to, to, uh, once he starts to get to know Maddie a little bit more. Now, Callie is Kenny's little sister and is very pro-black. She's in the BSU and organizes demonstrations and protests about how black students are being treated at school, which makes it really hard for the school to clean up their image from those viral videos. Um, Wendy is Kenny's girlfriend, a white girl. Her parents don't come for money, and I feel like she would identify as like a liberal if she was a real person. Um, and I guess she is a real person, technically. We all know a Wendy. <laughs> Wendy with an E. Um, so yeah, she views herself as one of the good whites, quote unquote, but she hears her uh, friend group saying racially insensitive things all the time and continuously lets it go unchecked. Um, and it was her idea for Kenny to ask Maddie to the prom. Now, Jules is a future Karen. She is overtly racist. And when it comes out that she was the bully uh, in, the viral in the viral video, she loses opportunities uh, for college, you know, for education, for, you know, all that other stuff. And instead of reflecting and taking accountability for her actions, she vows that she's going to ruin Maddie's life. This book has so many great themes, such as what, you know, it talks about like, what is an ally? You know, um, does respectability politics, does that help us? Being black in a predominantly white spaces in the South, what does that look like? Challenging racist traditions and like not just putting a bandaid on the problem, but how do we really get to the root of the problem? Um, and let me see. Oh yeah. It's really interesting. Let me see. Ahaha. Yes. And so it's really interesting. I really like the story too, because we get a lot of the information about what happened on the infamous prom night through interviews from witnesses via a true crime podcast and newspaper articles. Um, there were a lot of very like tense and scary situations while reading too. Uh, also the book is very gory, very, very gory. Um, so check the trigger warnings before reading. I really enjoyed this book. I thought it was perfect for spooky season. And if you couldn't tell already, this book was definitely like a reimagining of the movie, uh, of the story Carrie, like the horror movie Carrie. Yeah. But it was, you know, more about like blackness and, or anti-black as we should say yeah but the book was very good i highly recommend it i think the book is like newer it definitely came out this year um but i read it i got it in a book subscription box that came from a bookstore one of my favorite bookstores 
I will always talk about it. It's RVA Book Bar. The best, I think that one of the best ways, obviously, to support black uh, bookish businesses is obviously patroning the place. And I think the coolest part about the RVA Book Bar is that they are also a wine bar. So you can do wine tastings, you can buy wine, and you can buy books, or you can just chill because she hasn't, it's supposed to be like a resting space for black and POC people to come and, you know, chill and be themselves. And did I say chill? Yes, I did. Chill. (laughs) You know, and enjoy yourself. Yeah. So I think one of the best ways to support a bookstore that has a subscription box, especially if it's quarterly, is to subscribe for the quarterly subscription box, and which is what I do, and which is how I got this book. And wow, 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 it was worth it. Um, so next up, I wanted to talk about White Smoke by Tiffany D. Jackson, also by Tiffany D. Jackson. Um, so we follow a blended family who moves from California to the Midwest for a new beginning. They move to this community where they can live in a house, you know, rent and mortgage-free for a few years, and the house is old and clearly has a history, which is, you know, which is apparent when people come by to fix things. People are super weary about going into certain rooms in the house. And, you know, when they're asked, like, oh, did you check this room? They'll be like, nah, we don't go down there. You know, and that's all they really get as an explanation. Uh, from the beginning, we get small glimpses of, um, oh, 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 wait, before we even get there, oh, my God, I'm, like, jumping ahead of myself. Our main character, Marisol, has a... Passed with drug abuse or drug use. Well, yeah, I guess it was drug abuse. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Drug abuse, anxiety, and other traumatic experiences from the past. Um, From the beginning, we get small glimpses of her parents' lack of trust for her when she's, you know, doing anything. (laughs) There are also themes of co-parenting and, you know, it, it shows like when parents and guardians are active in their children's lives. So that's that was really nice to see, kind of like that parenting community, because you know it takes a village to raise children. And Maddie starts to experience paranormal activity in the house, and everyone seems to think that she's paranoid at first. Um, tensions are really high, the majority of the book, between Marisol and her stepsister, Piper. Piper is very much, in my opinion, unlikable for about 75% of the book, in my opinion, maybe even 85% of the book. I did not like Piper at all. Um, for about 80% of this book, probably. It's not just the paranormal activity that makes the book perfect for spooky season. Um, of course, we have to mention, like, some of the themes, uh, obviously being incarceration for, like, weed offenses, um, and also the families that get left behind when that kind of thing happens. Blended families with different racial backgrounds, communities with a history of violence toward black people, and patterns repeating themselves. And, um... Also, the repeated facts that we get about bed bugs was a little unsettling for me because I don't like no bugs. Um, so yeah, this story, I'm not able to give you like a ton of information and I'm being super vague on purpose because you got to read it. I think this book was very scary. Um, R.L. Stein said the book was spooky. You remember R.L. Stein? Goosebumps. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, you remember that. Yes, he said it was hella scary. So if R.L. Stein... If R.L. Stein said it was scary, then God damn it, it was scary. Um, it was scary. It was, it was a very good book, very good read, very good themes. And I liked all the characters except for Piper, obviously. Piper and her daddy. I didn't like, I didn't like them for 80% of the book. They, they redeemed themselves at the end. That's not a spoiler. They did redeem themselves at the end, but it was almost too late for them because I was like, why are y'all here? But anyway, 
So yes, Tiffany D. Jackson is a New York Times bestselling author, um, award-winning author of YA novels such as Monday's Not Coming, Allegedly, Let Me Hear a Rhyme, Grown, and obviously White Smoke and The Weight of Blood. Um, I am really excited to get into her other books or her other writing. Tiffany G. Jackson is very talented. She has such a way of writing horror and she integrates these themes of like race and police brutality and you know just all these really important like socioeconomic and just all these issues that affect people who are like not white. She has such a way of threading these things into these really horrific stories uh, seamlessly. And you know there doesn't need to be exactly like a monster in these stories for it to be scary because like real life for a person who's not white is very scary you know so yeah um i am very excited to get into the rest of her writing i can't wait to read i'm really excited to read grown actually um really excited to read grown and grown has been on my list for a minute i don't even own grown yet but um i might pick it up now but i, I actually have to wait because you know me I'm constantly on a book buying hiatus because I just got to stop. I got to stop at some point, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, y'all, that's the books. Um, there is a music section. And I did just want to talk about Sudan Archives um, with their new album, their latest album, Natural Brown Prom Queen. I have had this album on repeat um, I have talked about Sudan Archives before. I really love them. They are also a violinist. They write a lot of their own music. Um, they have like, they're very hands-on in their music, which is very apparent when you listen to them. Their music is super like blackity black, which I love. And um, this album was just, oh, it was perfection to me. Um, it was very perfection. I, I, I love seeing her like kind of get out of, get out of her, get out you know just do something new it it she did something new she took a risk and it worked and it still sounded like her but a more elevated sound and she still gave us those violin moments that we get from her that we want from her you know what i mean because she is a violinist as well that girl on the violin she'd be killing it she had she also has an npr uh tiny desk from like years ago um that was really good and she has this really cool octopus tattoo well no isn't it? no it's not octopus i think it's a jellyfish actually she has the coolest tattoo. I was like, who is this girl? But yeah. So I think that Natural Brown, Natural Brown Prom Queen has the perfect opening track. Um, it's called Homemaker, which was actually released as a single a while ago. And it was an edited single that was released. The opening track gave us a nice little intro and some little instrumentation too. I said, okay, okay, Miss Brittany. That's her real name. Her real name is Brittany. Um, I was super excited about MBQ, MBPQ. Um, which is non or no, it's natural brown prom queen in BPQ because of their last album, Athena. I have talked about Athena on this out uh, on this podcast before. Athena is a that album is immaculate. If you have not listened to Athena by Sudan Archives, you need to get on it. It's a great album, it's a phenomenal album. The violin sounds good, she sounds good, her visuals look good, per use, like she's amazing. Um, and I'm just, you know, Athena was no skips for me. The second track on the album is called NBPQ for Natural Brown Prom Queen. Uh, the second track grew on me. I'm not going to lie. At first, I was like, what is this? When I first heard it, I was like, I don't know about this. But 
as I kept listening to it, I was like, okay, this is actually like a really good song. We also get violin moments again, instrumentation. Um, and also, it's an anthem. Because at like the end, she's just like, I just want to have my titties out. Titties out, titties out. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. Like, I love it. And it's like, I haven't heard her talk like that on a song before. I was like, yes, I love it. So yeah, I love it. And I think everyone with titties should listen to the song. That's, yeah, I think everyone should listen to that song. And scream it from the mountaintops, really. Open your window and just scream that you want your titties out. Titties out. Titties out. Um, I was scared that this album wasn't going to have much violin in it. Um, but I was very pleased. Lots of violinist moments, and they were all phenomenal. Um, also, I loved, the inter- I loved her interludes on this album as well. They were all very good. My favorite one is called Is This Real? Can You Hear Yourself? Um, it's a whole mood. And basically, she's just like, do you hear what you be saying? And I'm like, yeah, do you hear what you be saying? Like, I'm like, oh, my God, what a great thing. My favorite song on the album is called Sierra. Um, it's a fighting song. It goes, I got a cousin in Chicago who got homies round the way. They'll smack you in your face. Yeah. So, a certain time of the Oh, that's my jam. Yeah, it's it's my jam, and I put it on my polling playlist, obviously. Um, it's a fighting song, and it's a fighting song that you can dance to. You can fight and dance at the same time, if you ask me. Um, we also get a little voguing moment and a little time to, like, do a little jig, too, with the song Chevy S10. Um, I love the song. I love the violin in the song, too. Fantastic. Um, my second favorite song on the album is called Copycat Broken Notions. It has themes of like white women being praised for like black aesthetics, which has always been a problem. And I love that she's calling it out. And I love that she has like in some of her songs, she has like people kind of like talking over the beat for a little bit. Yeah, it's like people. I don't know if it's her talking over the beat or whatever, but it's I I love it. It's like little snippets of people in her life talking over the songs. And I and it just works. All of it is just like blended seamlessly. The whole album is blackly black. Um, I just like all of her music, and I'm here for it. Um, Also, I forgot to mention Flu, F-L-U-E, is another favorite song of mine on the album. The violin is perfect. It's perfection. Um, If you have not listened to Sudan Archives, do it now. (laughs) Um, Listen to both the album Athena and this album Natural Brown Prom Queen. You will not be disappointed. Um, I can't wait to see what she continues to do with her music, with her violin, with her you know, her writing, everything. I wish nothing but the best for her because she is so talented. Um, Now, for TV and movies, I'm going to talk about the things I I did not finish and things I will not watch. Um, Something I did not finish was the show on Netflix. It was called Uncoupled. I believe that's what the name is called. So um, this dude's partner breaks up with him after 17 years of love and commitment without an explanation. So the white dude in question is now trying to get back out there. And of course, he joins Grindr. And he's like having all these like sexcapades and all this other stuff. And I really wanted to, I really wanted to love the show because it is queer. You know, I I wanted to love it, but I did not love it because um, the supporting character the best friend character was black a black woman um and as you know i don't like the trope of like the black woman can't find a man 
you know, she's so successful she can't find a man. And she is used as comedic, comedic relief for this white man. And she is never really seen as a real love option. And I watched about four or five episodes of this. And I was like, I'm not going to watch any more of this kind of shit on TV because I'm tired of it. And I'm like, honestly, I would expect a little bit more from a queer show that they would kind of be more like, uh, I don't know, better about not kind of put, not putting those like hurtful, harmful, like tropes into their TV shows, like do better. We're tired of seeing that shit. Like black women use this comedic relief and can't find a man. And you know, no one really sees them as real love connections, please. I feel like for years, I have let that one stat that everybody knows from OkCupid overshadow my fucking dating life. The one about black women and Asian men being undesirable with the bottom of the dating totem pole or whatever. And when it comes to, when it comes to dating, I'm done subscribing to that garbage and whoever wrote this show should have done a lot better and they should not have put that shit in here and I just think that we need better writing and if you're going to write a black woman into your show then you need to get a black woman to write for the show like it yeah do better so I did not finish it and you do what you want to do but I'm not finishing that show it was not good to me um love is blind season three I'm not going to watch the show um, I'm not watching any more seasons of this show because it's time for them to hang it up and take a seat. Take several seats. The only good season was the first one because it was truly an experiment. And um, yeah, I'm, I think we're good. And especially after that, um, what was that? After the altar season two, that could have been one episode? Girl, bye. Yeah, no, hang it up. Um now, what I will say about season two is that I sometimes I come across the the girls on the show, the girls that were on the show on social media, and they hang out. They're friends. They like they are friends, and they're very close. And that makes me very happy that they have that community. They went through this process together, and maybe they didn't find love, but you know they they all went through this experience together, and they can be there for each other and be supportive of each other. And I love to see that. So I'm happy that in season two, it looks like. Um, because Natalie, old girl Natalie came up on my TikTok, on my For You page. And I was like, is that Natalie? Yeah, girl. They all be hanging out. So I was like, that's lovely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to see all that. I'm happy to see that. But I was like, I've been seeing like snippets of stuff on social media of like the show of the newest season. And I'm just like, I'm not watching this. And I knew I wasn't going to watch it from the, from the, um, from the second season. I was like, I'm not watching any more of this show. But, um, if you are watching season three because you're into it or whatever, you have fun. And I hope that, I don't know, I hope it's good television. I feel like the biggest thing about Love is Blind sometimes is like the editing is not good. Like they, they edit the show so much because they need like a villain and they need like a victim and they need, you know, they need people to play roles. But I'm like, but this is, if it's supposed to be reality TV, just let us kind of see the whole thing play out. I feel like they're chopping and screwing like our our views on people and things and stuff like that. So it's like, we'll never know what happens. We'll never know like what's really going on. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like <laughs> the real villains are the people that edit the shows, but that's a whole nother thing. But currently I am watching uh, the Umbrella Academy season three and I am invested in the storyline. I think the show is weird and quirky and interesting. And it's always been that. Um, 
and I'm also glad to hear that there's only one more season after this and then they're doing their final season and they are done. I love a show that knows when to hang it up. I love a show that knows when it's time to go. And then I watched a movie on Netflix called The Good Nurse and it follows this nurse who is having heart problems and she does not have health insurance. And, and she won't get health insurance until she's been at her job for a year. She has two kids and is a single mom. Um, a new nurse starts at the hospital and they befriend each other very quickly. And he helps her out so that she can rest and heal her heart a little bit and make it to the year mark so that she can get the procedures that she needs. I think she needs like a heart transplant or something like that. So she has to make it to a year. And so the problem is, is that the nurse, the new nurse, the good nurse, as they say, is killing off people in the ER and has a history of doing that at multiple other hospitals from the past. And so um, there's like an investigation that the hospital's doing. They're bringing detectives in. They're trying to get people to like, you know, and like the two nurses' lives are so intertwined. Like he hangs out with the with the woman's kids and stuff like that. And so, you know, and he's helping her with the heart thing. And so when she finds out that he's like, killing people in the ER she's just like oh my god like I let this man in my house I let him like hang out with my kids like what is going on and it's like it's crazy because he's being so sweet and nurturing towards her but when it comes to these people that are in the hospital he's not giving them the same grace which I mean he's being nice to their face but he's like killing them so that sucks um so yeah I mean I think the fact that this was based on true events is very terrifying um and if that's some shit that's going to trigger you, do not watch this movie, girl. Because, uh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's really all I got. And, of course, as always, I'm going to go ahead and pick a card for you all. Um, you know me, adding tarot in when I can. So, I am using the Poesis. Poesis, P-O-E-S-I-S. Deck is one of my favorite decks. I bought it when I was in Portland. Um... It's like an oracle deck. Um, so I'm just going to pick a card and just give you some, I don't know, give you some guidance for the week. Just give you some guidance. You know, we just had a new moon on October 25th, which was Tuesday. Um, and new moons are all about like releasing and like rebirth and letting go and just like you know, letting go of like people and things that are not good for us. Um, so stop playing with me. Okay, so I want to tell a little story, quick story. Um, so I just picked the boundary card. Now I did a, I did a, I do daily readings for myself, and I just pick a card and I journal about it. I got the boundary card for myself yesterday. And then today I was filming like some TikTok stuff and I picked this card again, the boundary card. And I shuffled this deck like really well. And you heard me shuffling the deck just now. I shuffled that deck pretty good. And so I got the boundary card again, like, whoa. So, you know, being that said, we just had our new moon where we're releasing things and things like that. So when we think about boundaries, we're thinking about, you know, Teaching people how to love us. Teaching people how to treat us or we're out. You know what I mean? Um, boundaries are put in place to protect our energy, just to protect ourselves. 
you know what I mean? So that we can have peace, which I think is great. But I also want to say that like setting boundaries, maintaining boundaries, honoring boundaries are very difficult things to do and to do them actively, especially when you have people that are dedicated to testing your limits. You know what I mean? So I say all that to say, I want you, when you are creating your boundaries, I want you to enforce them. And I want you to feel confident about enforcing them. And if you are having trouble, I also want you to know that that's all right because setting boundaries is actually really hard to do and it takes practice to make permanent. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, there's that. Also, I think this is more for me, but if maybe if someone else needs to hear it, I think that sometimes I call things boundaries and I try to disguise things as like, this is my boundary, blah, blah, blah. But it's really me trying to isolate myself from people. And I hope that you're not trying to do that. So just, you know, be mindful. There are hella books and hella resources on how to set boundaries. And if you're in therapy, feel free to ask your like mental health professional, how do I set boundaries? And put those things into practice. You know what I mean? So yeah, give yourself a little grace. Be patient with yourself. But I hope that this reading gave you a little bit more guidance for the week. Hope, you know, moving into November, I hope that you all find the peace that you deserve. Hope you find the love that you deserve. I hope that you get to be, you know, we're moving into like the holiday season. And I know it's all about, you know, it's all about capitalism and buying all the things, buying this, buying that. But I want you to know that it's really about community and the people that you love and doing things for them that are going to really help them and put them in a good place. Set them up for success. Set the people that you love up for success. Um, so yeah, uh, that's all I got. I love you and I hope you have the best week and I will see you another time. Thank you so much for listening and... Oh, bye-bye.